Justin, can you believe the day has finally come? The inaugural episode. I can't believe it is, man. We went through a lot to get here, but it's so I'm so incredibly honored to be here on the mic with you, man. We're going to turn up. We're going to make some history happen. I love this. Man, it's just one thing after the other kept getting us pushed back, pushed back. We had a great uh, draft preview with the, all the fellas uh, on the unofficial Bengals podcast. It was a great time, but now it's time to get into our own thing. You ready? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely ready. I got my cup of Joe right here, you know, been sipping on it. I'm wearing my tiger stripes since the first episode, man. We got to be turned up for it. All right, let's get it started. I'm your host, Brandon Harriet. He's your host, Justin Lacey. Thank you for joining us as we are running through the jungle. This will be your weekly spot to come and check out all your Bengals news, AFC North, and NFL spotlights, and uh, get a little uh, a little interesting glimpse, a little outside-the-box thought process that you'll see later uh, in the show. So like us, subscribe. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, go get those notifications. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and more, we will be on everything every week. Be able to check us out Wednesday nights. Uh, should be live on there around 8, 815. So check us out then. So without further ado, let's get into some Bengals talk, man. Uh, I want to start off on a positive note. I think our, our guy, uh, Tyler Boyd, good to see him in, uh, at the OTAs. And uh, it's a positive uh, positive outlook on life for me. What do you think about that, Justin? Man, I love Tyler Boyd. And I'm so happy that he's back, too. He had to spend some time with his family, which we all understand. If you got kids, if you got, you know, nieces and nephews, whatever the case it may be, it ain't always got to be about football and contracts and money talks and stuff like a lot of people have speculated. It was just really great to see him. He actually made some good comments, and I kind of want to get into a lot of that, too. So um, one, most notably, the most comment that went a little bit viral and that captured some news was him saying that if he were not injured in the AFC Championship game, that the Bengals would have won. So what do you, I got to hear your thoughts first before I give you my thoughts. Uh, I, I got to be honest with you. I didn't know that kind of machismo and confidence uh, was, was there with Tyler Boyd, but I mean, look at the drop off. You know, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but you know, I, I, that's part of the reason why I like the draft choice of Charlie Jones, because there was such a fall off when Tyler Boyd went down. Um, you know, it, it's not we didn't have another wide receiver that had some size that you could move inside. Uh, so I get that. I get what he was saying, uh, and I like that confidence out of him. Um, you know, to me. Yeah, the family thing, you know, what was it, dance recital, I think there was. Um, that's great. Live your life. You're you're a veteran. You don't have to be at day one of OTAs. But 
I did get some feel good about some of the uh, doesn't know how long he's going to be there, but he's going to enjoy every moment he's got now. And he's looking forward to this season. And, you know, I think his uh, his focus is on a Super Bowl. So I like it, man. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah, no, same, same. You know, um, he's been an integral part of he's uh, of this just this new culture that Zach Taylor's built. He embodied everything that Zach Taylor has said and what we're trying to build here. You know, Tyler Boyd and also Joe Mixon, who we're going to also get into later on today. Um, those are the two guys that went through the most. Um, they've seen this organization at the bottom of the barrel, and they could have easily quit and left and went to better teams and got more money elsewhere. But they hung in there and stuck with us because they wanted to truly believe in a uh, culture. And honestly, going back to his confidence, man, I'm not really surprised by it. And I actually love that. You know, if you don't if you remember back in week two or week three, when we played the Steelers in Heinz Field, um, that was a famous game where he said that we made Pittsburgh quit and made them give up after we had pummeled them in a stadium. It was, it was mm -hmm. great. I loved it. And while I'm going to be fair, I'm going to be fair, really fair here regarding the AFC championship game. While I do agree with him initially that him being injured caused a little bit of change there and, I do think that we would have won if he would have been present. You also got to give credit to the Kansas City's defense, man. And they also have bodies dropping like flies on the receiving end, too, in their game. So I can't really put too much pressure and onus on just our one guy. And we had our lineman hurt, too. We're not getting into that yet. But they had guys that were just leaving a game with injuries left and right on the receiving end. It ultimately ended up being Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and Travis Kelsey that just kind of, you know, went to work. And I think Scott Moore was there a little bit, too. But, like, so I, to be fair, I get what he's saying and I agree with what he's saying. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs could say it the same thing. And I would have respected it. So um, but I love his confidence, man. And I, I'm I'm happy that he's back in. Man, if this is the last year with us, man, I hope that he can, you know, find a way to kind of retain his uh, his employment with the Bengals. But, man, what a run, man. I, I, I love it. And. I just want him just to be Bank of Flight, man. He already alluded to that in his interview that he's a Bank of Flight no matter what happens, man. So I'm, I'm happy to see that. Yeah, and I, I had a, I was, I was shocked about his uh, comments about the Steelers quitting and whatnot too, because I mean, this is a kid that played in that locker room. You know, he played at Pitt. He was a stud at Pitt. You know, mm -hmm. so I was shocked that he, he kind of went in there because um, all those guys kind of run into each other, you know, college and pro guys here and there. But as far as uh, MVS, um, I, I don't want to ever talk about him again because he cost me an eight, uh, an eight leg in game parlay for the Super Bowl. He had to catch one touchdown pass, man. One, and they kept taking him out. Tony got a touchdown pass. They take him out, put Tony in, touchdown pass. I was like, come on, man. Just get one touchdown. Everything else I picked hit. Uh, anyway, water <laughs> under the bridge. Money already spent. Oh, uh, man. You did mention Joe Mixon. Um, you know, again, yeah, went through a lot of those. And, you know, I, I, I kept telling people, too, at the beginning of last year, I, his ankle wasn't right. I mean, it looked like he was – you know, not himself as far as the burst and things like that. Um, I, I kind of have been off of the, uh, the the train. I've been on the Joe Mixon should leave town train, uh, spend that $12 million otherwise. 
But now that we're here, where we're at now and, and looking at it, you know, I think the Bengals, not only is Joe Mixon a serviceable back and going to help the situation, right? And, and, and it got, you know, the youngster coming in, um, Chase Brown, and, and going to learn from him a little bit. But on top of that, I think it's some, some street cred, right, that you gave a man a contract and you stuck to it, right? Um, mm-hmm. He didn't make him try to restructure it or cut him. I think that I think it goes a long way. And, and you're looking at now what we got coming up, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But w- when you're looking at stri- you know putting those contracts together, and and now the rest of the league looks at you got the quarterback, you've made improvements in the facilities, and now you're sticking to the contracts you give. I'm coming around a little bit on on Joe being here this year, and I'm looking for him to have a bounce back year, get over that four yard to carry clip. What do you think? So I've always been a big Joe Mixon fan. He was my favorite player when we drafted him in 2017 in the second round. I understand he had that incident that, you know, it's very touchy and we're not going to get into that. But um, his talent was always there. His potential was always there. Again, as I said about Boyd, Mixon was one of those guys that was that embodied the core, went through the, the turmoil and went through all of that stuff. I remember when he was up for that contract extension, people was really sad that he was going to hold out and demand a trade um, because they wanted him here. And then he got his contract and then people was like, oh, we uh, we feel like we overpaid for him because we gave him 12 million dollars a year. It's like you can't win either way. You know, I get the positional value that running back is, you know, not as value as it was like maybe in the 90s or the early 2000s. But people that say that only say that until you need a running game. And when you are missing a running game, then all of a sudden you're going to go back in revisionist history and think, oh, man, I wish we would have signed Joe Mixon to that contract. And so you got to live with the decisions and move on in terms of his particular offseason. It wasn't the very best offseason, but I felt like people were so quick to write him off. And I think more or less it's because of the positional value at the running back position without really looking in and narrowing the focus of the player itself, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Joe Mixon, like I said, he was always about this team. And when the facts of the cases came out, showed that he really had nothing to do with anything. Now, not to say that we wanted to uh, jump ahead and assume that, oh, he was a part of it or anything like that, but it divided this fan base quite a bit. I was always on a train of restructure the contract and reallocate some money elsewhere but when you restructure you still got to give that the rest of that duration of that contract at some point and like kick a few dollars in the can down the road but with Mixon, it was like look we're paying him this money anyway just let him do it and he had over 1300 all-purpose yards last year people tend to forget the great games that he had last season five touchdowns against the carolina panthers my favorite game and my signature game of the 2022 season was the role playoff win in Buffalo. And I know that Burrow was on fire. I know that Chase was killing it. But me personally, I loved Joe Mixon in that game. He was just murdering the Bills defense that game. And I get that P. Ryan sort of made you forget a little bit about it. But I think that the newness of P. Ryan sort of caught people by surprise and that they wanted a whole throw out there. We should have started P. Ryan over Mixon. We should have gave P. Ryan an extension of contract. But this is the same P. Ryan that people were killing for that fourth and one in the Super Bowl with him not reaching out and lunging for that catch. So you can miss me with that, too. Also, I like to think that if people had or teams had more film on P. Ryan, 
he would not be producing the same numbers that he just did. He did his job as a backup running back. That's all you can ask for. You don't want to get too greedy with these things. But you, but Joe Mixon is a guy that people have film on and still have a hard time stopping. I also understand, man, when I was watching throughout the season, it looked different. It started to feel a little different, like that the offense was moving beyond past him. But I think that's more a testament to how great Joe Burrow is and not that Joe Mixon has fallen off, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm all about keeping Joe Mixon. Uh, I think that he needs to finish out this contract year. And same with Boyd, man. If if this is their last two, their last year with the Bengals, man, what a way to ride off into the sunset. Um, again, there's still two team players that they won a Super Bowl championship, man. And I hope that we can make it happen for them this year. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Mixon came down a little bit in his yards per carry, where P, and P. Ryan went up a little bit last year. They basically became the same, the same player, except, uh, you know, Mixon shows more uh, catching out of the backfield on third down, where P. Ryan's more blocking. And last year, we needed that a lot more. You know what I mean? But wow, wouldn't it be great on second and third and short that a play action pass actually carries some cachet with it? You might actually get somebody to come up in the box. Um, right. You know, I think Brown might be that guy that hits that home run a time or two. Uh, maybe a healthy Joe Mixon shows that little burst again and can start getting those, keeping them honest. I mean, we don't have, um, I mean, we don't have a quarterback that's squatting 600 pounds where we're going to do the rugby scrum like Philadelphia when it's fourth and fourth and a yard, knowing that you're going to get three. Uh, and by the way, I don't want them pushing Joe Burrow in the middle of that big pile of humanity. Anyway, keep him clean. Um, yeah, got but, it. But, but it would be nice to have a running game. that could get you a yard when you need a yard. So, absolutely. You know, you, I absolutely agree with that 100%. And, you know, pass blocking is a thing that Joe Mixon has to still continue to get better at. That's obviously no secret. But also, when I did film working uh, on other running backs who are at a top-tier level, like a guy like Nick Chubb up in Cleveland, I mean, I, I don't think he's that great of a pass blocker neither. Yeah. But because he's so such a hard-nosed runner, people don't tend to bring yeah. that up. And they've had and, a better line than we've had over the past three it, uh, years. Exactly. So, and that they had that, an incredible line necessary. over the last four or five years. Yeah. yeah. And ours, we, we're still remake shifting our line. It feels like every year Joe Burrow is finally having a nice nucleus that he can lean on. So, you know, I think it's one of those things we just got to give it time, you know, just kind of let it work its magic there a bit. And it will, it will overcome itself, I believe. But that's what I personally believe. There's not necessarily no stats behind it, but it's just a, a gut feeling of mine, you know. Yep. So, so four out of those five uh, positions on that offensive line look to be pretty solidified, pretty solid. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. Right tackle, Jonah Williams. Uh, looks like Carmen Jackson's coming in better shape than he has the past couple of years, from what uh, all accounts I'm hearing. Um, you know, uh, LC Leo Collins. It looks like he's doing uh, really good in in his rehab, but. I mean, how fast do you rush him out? Uh, Jonah, what do you expect? I mean, do you expect him – you think he's going to be there at minicamp? You think he's willing and able and ready to play right tackle? What will you take on uh, on the Jonah Williams saga? Man, this is going to be tough because I know just like Joe Mixon, Jonah Williams has been another divided conversation over the fan base. If you're on Twitter – let me just give you guys a heads up, man. It's very toxic on sports Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Imagine like, that. You know, yeah. People cannot talk about one side without bringing up the other and starting an argument. And it's like, come on, we're all supposed to be Bengals fans here. It's a keyboard. My talking. personal opinion. 
I mean, but my personal opinion to answer your question about Jonah Williams is first, I think he's just a solid player. Uh, he's a guy that lost his job essentially at the left tackle position. I didn't think he was a bad left tackle, but I think he was just a solid guy. You know, once upon a time ago, like just two years ago, he was the best lineman on the team. But because that was a deficiency of talent around him specifically, well, now the talent has gotten better. And you added Orlando Brown Jr. in the mix, who seems to be able to elevate that line by himself. It, it, it makes Jonah Williams look like that he really wasn't that great as what he thought he probably was. I understand that why he needed to make the trade demand. I, I absolutely or trade request, not demand. I understand why he wanted to do that. He wanted to play. He wanted to start. But at the understanding, um, the understanding camp uh, standpoint of he is in his plan in his fifth year option. We did pick that up and we're playing him 12 million a year. So we kind of put ourselves in a little bit of a rock and hard place there contractually. Um, but personally for right tackle, I'm not giving up on Leo Collins either. You know, I mean, he's rehabbing, doing fine as you, what you just said. I think Jonah Williams, he has some mental makeup to work through, you know, before he work himself out. I ultimately believe that he will be a team first guy and show up and play for the guys around. I now, think that he's going through a little bit of the business side deal in the NFL. He experienced that for the first time. And it's not a funny it's not a fun feeling at all. We're talking about money. Here. We're talking about, you know, your your livelihood here. You know, he's an NFL player, so he want to try to put forth his best effort and. For the first time, he's got to deal with competition for his job. But I also think that uh, Jonah will be able, if he, if it's not here, it's going to be with somewhere else because offensive linemen, great offensive linemen, just don't grow on trees like that. And good offensive line seems to be so far and few between two. And I think that Jonah Williams just fall under, he's good but not great category. He just needs the right situation around him. Um, I think he ends up playing for the Bengals. I do. Um, I think he shows up, bees there for his team. If the Bengals ultimately do trade him, hey, that's great too. Um, I'm kind of like in a Joe Burrow camp when he said that, hey, look, we're going to support him either way. He's a member yeah. of this team, and that's where I am with Jonah for now. I, you know, I, I give him a little bit of a pass last year. He worked through some really tough injuries, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, with knee injuries and whatnot. So I, I'm not you know, a little off season cleanup in those knees and, and, and getting back to, to being his best self. I would like to see him at right tackle, especially starting off the year, I, you know, give LC time to re recoup, like no reason to rush him out. I think uh, Jonah could do a very good job there. Here's my sales pitch to Jonah. I understand he's looking at it. Left tackles get paid more. Mm -hmm. eh, Mike McGlinchey got paid pretty good at right tackle last off season. Right. And let, let me sell you on this, too. Instead of being by a second-year uh, player out of North Dakota, you're going to go to right tackle, and you're going to be right beside of Kappa. You know, you got the Mike McGinchy 22 mil contract out there. You got Alex Kappa sitting right beside of you, a mauler. Like, I don't know, man. I think this might be, the, you know, if you take a little bit of that medicine, I think maybe – it might end up working out better for you in the long run as far as getting a contract. Go out there and dominate this year. Get you five years, you know, four years, $20 million. That's uh, – I think it can do that, you know? I think so, too. I absolutely agree with you. I think so, too. Um, no, we ain't going to give him that much. 
<laughs> no. I mean, I, I'll say this, though. He has to earn his position at right tackle because, again, Leo Collins, he ain't giving us up that seat without a fight. Obviously, he's rehabbing, too. Jackson Carmen, we drafted him with them pick 38 in, the, in 2021. Mm -hmm. And how crazy how fast people have came around on our guys because this is a guy that we have all but written off across Bengal community. He was he wasn't even he was in street clothes for game day. He was always inactive. And it wasn't because he was not healthy. It's because he wasn't that great. But when he got his chance and he's had to sip some of that reality, look what he's done, you know? So he's going to he's gonna try to fight for his opportunity as well, too. So if Jonah does happen to fight and become the starting right tackle to begin the season, I will be all for that. And I think that's why we're in a better spot. Even right. though people have questions at right tackle, I just think that we're in a better spot altogether, man. It's not like that we're starting a bunch of scrubs from the street. You know, we got legitimate people on this yeah. line that makes me and, feel good about this season. And all three of those guys, Jackson Carmen's played guard. Lel Collins has played guard. Mm -hmm. Jonah, coming out of Alabama, he hasn't done it in the pros, but coming out of Alabama, his biggest strong suit uh, from Nick Saban was he could play all five positions on the line. Yeah, he, he was right tackle at Alabama, from what I remember. I believe Jedrick Willis was on the left side. But Jonah Williams really? has the physique and the physical uh, physicality to play interior if needed. Yep. So, you know, but at the same time, I don't want to just continue to get a whole bunch of jack-of-all-trades but a master of none kind of all old linemen without having studs in place. That's why the Bengals went after a guy like Orlando Brown Jr. to solidify that left side. That's why Ted Karras and Alice Kappa and um, – I'm sorry, I forgot. You know, I won't say Cordell Volson yet, but Ted Karras and Alex Kappa are studs in their spot. Yeah. That they don't really give up a lot of sacks. Sure, they may get beat here or there. It happens to the best of them. But at the end of the day, man, they're studs in their position, like aces in their places. And you can sort of fill the voice, the rest how they come. And I think the world of Cordell Volson, I think that he's still growing. He was just a rookie last year, fourth round, fifth round rookie last year. Um, he's going to grow. And then – if he does end up getting hurt, like you said, man, either one of those guys can come in and just plug the plug up themselves in that spot and then just let's go. Let's run it back. So I love the continuity that they're building here. And that's why I think that Jonah Williams, while he's going through this whole motion and decree of losing this spot, you know, making a positional change. I just think that he's going to ultimately come around and look at this like, man, this is the best opportunity to win now. Uh, and the contract talking stuff is going to handle itself later. All right. Well, hey. We are going to uh, take a quick 10-second break for those of you on YouTube, a little bit longer than that, so the Fans First Sports Network can pay some bills. We'll be right back with you. And we're back. I was, I was thinking about coming back right when you had that mug tipped up. Uh, for those of us that are on a viewing audience, but I thought, ah, give them a second. We'll wait. But uh, yeah, so so far so good. We hit some, uh, you know, some, there's a lot of positive notes around this team. It feels good. It feels, I, I, I like it. Um, we got some good problems to have. You know what I mean? We got some more exactly. depth. Uh, exactly. We got some more things. And uh, the glaring part of the, uh, the good problems to have uh, here is we're going to give out some bags. We'll give out some bags. So um, we got T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, and Jamar Chase. Uh, those three guys, if we are able to sign them, 
are going to eat up over a hundred million dollars. I mean, that's, that's wild to think of in Cincinnati Bengals land, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. But what, what, what was your takes on the contract? I mean, I think we all, everybody um, that I know that I talk to wants to get all three of them done. I think uh, everybody's Joe Burrow first, Jamar Chase second. T Higgins a big piece of that though. Uh, and takes a lot of heat off of uh, Jamar Chase. So, what do you what do you what are you thinking? What do you uh what is what's your take on these on these contracts? Do you think Joe Burrow may give a little more of a fan friendly deal after uh you know Mahomes is out there saying it's not about the money, it's about the legacy? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I know that's a big talking point across a lot of different media landscapes. You know, whatever Joe Burrow decides what's best for him, man, I'm all for it. If he wanted to become the highest played quarterback in the NFL history, I'm all for it. He deserves it. If he wants to take a slightly team-friendly discount but still be amongst the highest pay, I think that's probably where they land. I'm all for that, too. I don't want him to take a major discount just because of the team and his weapon. I think that Joe Burrow's one of those guys that he just understands the game, even when he's a young man playing a young man, uh, a game like this. You know, it's like his maturity level is just off the charts. And so it's like he just seems to just get it. Every time I hear him talk in his press conference, how he handled the contract questions – you know, he said, yeah, I'm involved. You know, I'm. we know what we're talking about, but I'm going to leave that private and not go into that. This is about the team. For It's just I love every single about everything about Joe Burrow. And it just screams that he's going to become amongst one of the highest paid position, obviously. But it, he also understands that I want my guys around to get paid, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. That means Joe Mixon. And th- I mean, I'm, not, I'm sorry. Joe Mixon already been paid. Uh, that means T. Higgins. And that means Jamar Chase. You got to make sure that your guys are ultimately happy. And I don't think it's just got nothing to do with weapons. I also think that he would have go to bat for his guys on the defensive side of the ball, too. Like last year when we had the Jesse Bates debacle with that contract. Take him out to UFC fights and all that stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he right. was there, man. It was at the UFC fight with uh, – I can't remember who was matching up in that. But Joe Burrow went to bat for his guys, too. And at the end of the day, it didn't get done. He's down in Atlanta. But that didn't stray away from Joe Burrow still saying that, hey, a guy like Jesse Bates needs to be paid, That's you know, whether it was here or there. Yeah, he, just it's just leadership. that leadership all around. Yeah. And it's not selfishness. It's leadership about thinking what's best for the team and fighting mm-hmm. for these guys because we're on the same team. So it's really hard to tread that fine line when you're talking contracts in other people's pockets because you as a quarterback – I think back when Russell Wilson was with the Seahawks and he got he grew tired of getting hit and he was talking about that a lot. Well, I don't think he went to bat with any of the guys on the defensive side of the ball during the Legion of Boom years when they were up for yeah. contract yeah. negotiations. No, you didn't hear anything from him. Yeah. But he wanted his Joe own Burrow, exactly. Like so, Joe Burrow, he's not that. He's he, I think he just understands the business side perfectly, man. And I get why fans want to be a little bit nervous about T. Higgins because of the agent that he has. It's David Malgetta, who's the most notably known agent for getting the Deshaun Watson deal. And But you can't be scared of something like that, man. I, mm-hmm. I think T. Higgins is also a guy that understands he wants to be here. He's in training camp now in his contract year. He's not playing it safe. He wants to be with the team. And I think the Bengals end up getting it done, you know? So yeah. the same with Jamar Chase, even though I think he's going to be coming the following year, but I think all guys are going to be here, man. So so here's my my thing is this. Um, I could see – now, for those of you who don't know, um, I do a, a podcast uh, on the uh, Steel Curtain Network, 
with the AFC North. I'm a Bengals associate on there. And part of the reason why I'm on there is because I live behind enemy lines. I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, so I kind of had a, a, a front yard view here of watching how they take care of it. And, and, you know, they've for years been a very well-ran franchise. And when Big Ben was here, Big Ben had, you know, pretty big contracts. But every year it seemed like there was – some sort of restructuring, some sort of tinkering. They'd be at the cap. They wouldn't have room for somebody. And they'd make a little adjustment on normally his, sometimes somebody else. But normally Big Ben would, you know, kick a little $7 million here or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think Joe Burrow is that kind of intellect leader and, and has his finger on the pulse. I could see him taking a $54 million a year deal, but then going – I'll take a $10 million restructure and give that to, you know, sign this cornerback or sign this or make sure we have that piece or whatever. I could see him on a year to year basis. If he gets a five or six year deal doing that and restructuring mm -hmm. that contract, or maybe it's a four year deal, but then the following year it's restructured for another four year deal or so on and so forth. I think that's a way he could keep, what he wants, make sure, almost kind of like LeBron had has done in the past in basketball, and make right. sure that you're going forward the way you should. If you're not spending the money properly, I'm just going to take it home. Right. That could be an right. option. Now, the other thing I think, uh, I, I, I put a little more emphasis on getting T. Higgins done. As much as I think that we're going to get Jamar Chase – as much as I think that we we can and will get these three guys done, you got to get the first one done. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, you got another year on on Joe Burrow because he was a first uh, round draft pick in that pick, where T. Higgins was a second round. So you don't have that fifth year option on him. It also helps because of that. It helps when their big salary cap hits come. They go one year, two year, three year because both Joe and, and, and Jamar were were first-round picks. So you get that fifth year before you take a huge cap in on them, right? So right. it spaces that part out. I like the way it sets up. But I, I, I recall the old, uh, the old saying, uh, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Get that bird in your hand. Sign T. Higgins. Get that done and over with. If that's $24 million is the rumors out there, sign him. Get – at least get three years plus player option, whatever, and get him out. I, I think you need to get that one done and have that one. You never know. Star athletes, how many times have you seen falling outs and this and that? And, then, you know, somebody something happens, they don't want to play with somebody anymore. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Sign who you can sign right now. Worry about Jamar next year. That's my take. Yeah, I think Jamar is ultimately one of those guys that, he's going to be taken care of next year um, because I don't think he's eligible for an extension this year anyway. Yeah. T Higgins is I'm, I'm hundred percent with you. You just need to lock in your guys, you know, as soon as you possibly can. And I, again, I think that they're doing that. And I think that they're, you know, they've obviously in contract talks. I'm not obviously in the front office. Um, the negotiations I'm not in. I, we have no, that we're just two yeah. big time Bengal fans. So, you know, um, nobody don't share anything with us. But I just, I just, if I know T. Higgins, I think that he understands too. 
the leadership aspect of Joe Burrow and that he's a part of the the what's been a successful rebuild, a great yeah. successful rebuild. And T. Higgins had a lot to do with that. And he deserved to be compensated as such. I also think that T. Higgins strikes me as a guy that's not going to get blinded by other people's numbers and figures, even though people are going to throw the bug in his ear telling them you can get a max contract here. You know, it's crazy, man, because people once upon a time ago was telling me that, you know, T. Higgins wasn't even a top 25 receiver. And we kept trying to tell you and tell these other people, these ops that's outside of Bengal Nation, that T. Higgins is a dog and y'all need to pay attention to him because he can be a number one receiver on any given team for a number one needy team. T. Higgins is that guy. But people kept trying to say something. And then now they moved the goalposts and now saying that, oh, the Bengals should trade T. Higgins to the Packers and the Bengals should do this. T. Higgins should yeah. ask for this. And I was like, dude, come on. See, that, that kind of stuff, I just kind of lose my interest in because, real quick because I, I just feel like that they know how talented this Bengals team is. And they understand it's going to come at a little bit of an extra cost to keep a lot of these guys, yeah. a number of these guys, I should say, T. Higgins being one of them. But I also think that the Bengals are smart and they know their guys better than other people know their guys because people are so late to the party on how the Bengals team has developed over time that they're almost like they're trying to write the story before the story even happens. And they keep getting it wrong about the Bengals. And I think it's going to be the same thing with this T. Higgins contract. He might probably get like 20 million a year or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's like started off like they might front load it that way. But I can also see it where it's like waning down as the years go on. And he might probably get like maybe 12, 15 in the back. I don't know how they structure this, but I think it's going to be in neutral, good fairgrounds where he's going to be fairly compensated amongst his peers. But understanding that you got a guy like Jamar Chase that's staring down the barrel of potentially becoming one of the highest paid receivers in NFL history. And don't forget, his boy Justin Jefferson is in track to becoming the highest paid receiver. And I think Jamar Chase has a chance to be even better than him. Yeah. So you got to think a little bit more beyond the wheels of that. So, again, I personally think this gets done. I think everything's going to ultimately work itself out. But also, you made a great point here. You don't know what could potentially happen. Right now, this year, we're, we're singing kumbaya noises. We're talking about confidence going into the 23 season. Man, potentially making a Super Bowl run. But what happens if we fall short and then next thing you know, it's in your mind that, you know what, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And let's say that Jamar makes a statement of he wants to get a trade to uh, demand or something, or he wants to be the highest paid or whatnot. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. But it's nice yeah. to know that if you had T. Higgins locked up on his long-term deal, maybe you have a little bit of fighting leverage for that. Because we did win games without Jamar Chase. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to think about losing Jamar Chase. I know Correct. we're getting ahead of ourselves here. But you got to think of those what-if scenarios. You know, even though I don't think that's going to happen, I think that everything's going to be fine. But you just got to prepare for the unexpected. But but don't run your don't run your franchise as if you know something that you don't actually have on paper. Exactly. You can only and count on what's in ink. Exactly. And, and to Burrow, and for, in fairness to Joe Burrow, you don't want to keep having to – Stick with the situation because there's a lot, a lot of people, a lot of quarterbacks, I should say, make trade demands from their previous teams. I'm going to utilize the Aaron Rodgers uh, from Green Bay. You know, you heard the story about they they never pretty much drafted a first round receiver, and I don't even mm -hmm. know that still haven't. But 
Aaron Rodgers, they, they, they always felt like that Aaron Rodgers had to uplift everybody around him, put the franchise on his back and keep making, you know, late round receivers into superstars. And it got tiring. Like, why can't you just draft a, a committed, you know, this guy's going to work out and he's going to pair well with him. Now I get it. Aaron Rodgers got, you know, character issues of his own or whatnot, but it, it, it's an example of this is not what you want to go down to Burrow. Just because Burrow has the ability to elevate those around him, you still need to do right by him. Like if a if a great weapon is staring right at your face in the draft, there's no harm in taking him. This is why I'm glad that we drafted Jamar Chase at that fifth overall pick instead of the Panay And if you recall that debate, but that's how I wanted to bring that up. To yeah, you. I was on the wrong side of that debate. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, here's here's the bow I'm going to put on the T Higgins subject. T Higgins. Probably a top 10 wide receiver, definitely a top 15 wide receiver in the league. And here's what I believe. I believe that no matter what happens, we got him for at least two seasons. Because mm-hmm. I think if he don't sign, he's going to get franchise tag played that fall a year. Mm-hmm. So I, we got two years. Let's make some make some magic with him. That at least if we know we're not, we're not getting uh, anywhere with signing him, we can tag him and try to get another wide receiver in the, in the draft. So that's worst case scenario in my mind. So uh, we will put a bow on contract negotiations. We're going to move into what I alluded to being a little bit outside of the box thinking here. Um, This is kind of the show within the show for uh, Mr. Lacey here. We're going to go to the Big Bengal Theory. And today on the Big Bengal Theory, a little play on uh, uh, one of your favorite TV shows. Um, well, you got 2005. Is that what you said? Oh, yeah. So, you know, I wish I had a little bit of intro music kind of bring up the theory of the mind. So, you jumping inside my bingo mind, but yes, oh, well, I, work theory that I, want. I work on that. <laughs> I, I, I can get an intro for that, no doubt. Oh, definitely. I'll be looking forward to that. Now, I just finished my cup of joe, so my coffee is gone, and now I'm moving into my water. Uh, so with that being said. We're going to talk about the big theory of 2005. So, Brandon, let me ask you this question before I jump into it. We know how the 2005 season ended. You know, Carson Palmer got his knee shredded in the first AFC wildcard playoff game against our most dreaded, hated rivalry in this uh, rival in the Pittsburgh Steelers. We know that. But what is the thing that everybody likes to say about that season if Carson didn't get hurt? Oh, we could have went all the way. We could win all the way. Most specifically, that that was our Super Bowl year. That's a lot of fans' projected mindsets on if Carson didn't get hurt. It was like, oh, what could have happened? Well, the theory of the old five Bengals, according to Justin here, is here to tell you, and this is going to probably be a controversial opinion, that no, we were not going to go all the way to win the Super Bowl that season. I do believe if Carson had not gotten hurt, we would have probably won that first-round playoff game. But the 2005 season was a season of great anticipation that we had an offensive explosion. You know, you had Chad, you had TJ, you had Rudy, Chris Henry. You know, the defensive secondary got turnovers, but they weren't like a shutdown defense. They still had, you know, other offensive, more explosive offense scoring a ton of points on you. But I think that the Bengals would have just had that one playoff run. uh, I'm sorry, that one playoff win, and it would have came to an end in the next round. Let me explain. In 2005, here was the following seeding of the playoffs. The Indianapolis Colts was the number one seed. 
The Denver Broncos, led by Jake Plummer, Champ Bailey, and John Lynch on defense, was at number two. The Bengals got to the number three seed. New England was the number four seed. Tom Brady and the Patriots, of course. The fifth seed was Jacksonville, and then followed by Pittsburgh at the number six seed. When you look at the seeding, we had Pittsburgh because the six seed matched up with the three seed. If the Bengals would have won that game, we would have went on the road at Mile High Stadium against Jake Plummer in that defense. There's a good chance the Bengals could have pulled it off, but I don't believe that the Bengals would have been able to beat that particular Denver Broncos team because they finished the season 13-3, and and they were just dominating, beating great teams left and right that season, if you ask me personally. But let's say if they happen to get past Denver, then you're staring down a barrel of a big-time quarterback matchup either against Peyton Manning at Indianapolis or in New England at home in Paul Brown Stadium against Tom Brady. I don't think that that particular Brady-led Patriots team was going to overcome the the Colts team that season. So it would have set up a showdown against the, the Colts in Indianapolis. And I think you would have fell short. The Peyton Manning was just riding high. That really, honestly, in my opinion, should have been the first Super Bowl of Peyton Manning. But it came too late in 2006. And if it wasn't for the Palmer knee injury, Pittsburgh doesn't go on the roll to Indianapolis and uh, pull off that upset against the Colts there, too. Um, I get it. People love to kind of drop these things. We're very emotional. But I I think that we kind of have to put ourselves in the perspective mode here when it came talking about this 05 Bengals team. We were a great team that year, no doubt about it. But look up and down the season. If you remember it, like critically remember it. Brandon, I'm going to ask you this. Do you remember the 2005 season, like the regular season in its entirety? Um, not not to great specifics, but for the most part, yes. So even if you look at the win-loss statistics of that season, the only true teams that we've beaten that year that were like playoff caliber teams yeah. was really Baltimore. I'm sorry, Baltimore wasn't even good that season. The, the Steelers, and you split with them in your division, and the Chicago Bears – you had a chance to – you had a game. It was one of my favorite games, even though we lost it against the Colts in 05. It was here in the stadium, uh, Paul Brown Stadium. That was one of my favorite high-flying shootout games. But you ended up getting outplayed by Peyton Manning that game. And you're talking about having to go to ro- on the road in the playoffs there? I don't know, yeah. man. I know Peyton had his playoff struggles too. But I, I just felt like that they were supposed to be the team of destiny, and then they fell short a year too early, if you ask me personally. But I still have great great promise. That's still one of my favorite teams of all time. And I understand Bengals Nation is probably going to ridicule me uh, by saying that, oh, you're crazy. You know, if Palmer didn't get hurt, we run it all the way to Super I get all that. I heard it all my life, man. You know, but I I personally like to think a little bit macroly of why that theory exists for me personally. And I want to sort of, you know, mention that to the audience here. There, there are plenty other places that people can go for their rah-rah. We're not going to mm-hmm. be cheerleaders on this show. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where we've been, that, that clouded past makes us who we are now and what we know we need to do for the future, sewing these guys up. I'm totally with you. Hey, the, here's where I am as a fan, to give you a perspective. The moment you said Champ Bailey's name, I got angry and I started. I was like, "You started Charlie Charlie Brown teacher there for a wah 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 for a couple minutes." Mm-hmm. 
I was like, man, Champ Bailey, that's 99 draft. We take Achilles Smith. I'm yelling, Champ Bailey can return punts and lock down a corner. Someone take him. No, we can't take him, Edron James, Torrey Holt, uh, Ricky Williams. I'd have took Ricky Williams just to trade him to Mike Ditka for – Say, was that the year that uh, Mike Dicka offered him all of his draft? <laughs> all of it when he was with the Saints. Here, you oh can my have my God. entire draft. Uh, that could have been us. Uh, that anyway. could have been us, man. Could've oh, my us. goodness. Well, I dig it, man. I like the, I like the outside look on the, the 2005 season. It was, I think it was easy to get caught up because they were such an exciting offense, an exciting Absolutely. team to watch. So I, I get what you're saying there. I'm not mad about it. Yeah, um, of course, uh, my parting shot is going to be this. Is the 2023 season a season of first? Will the inaugural season of running through the jungle line up with the first ever Super Bowl championship in Cincinnati? I'll tell you what, man. I've been a good luck charm a lot in my life. I feel pretty good about this one. Uh, I'm not quite there yet. Let's see how we get out of uh, minicamp and where we're at health-wise. I'm not quite going to lay that out there, but I'm going to put it in the atmosphere and put it out there for just see if we can make it come to fruition. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm, le- I'm ready to run through the jungle because I, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. Yeah, I'm with I, you. I feel like I feel like we definitely got a shot at it, so I ain't mad about it. But you got any closing comments before we get this on out of here? You know, th- this is the first episode. I'm really excited that we're we're getting a we're getting started, getting acclimated into this world. We have a, another exciting season. This whole Joe Burrow era is going to be exciting. There are going to be some moments where you're going to have to overcome some things, but Joe Burrow is one of those quarterbacks that kind of like Mahomes, he can defy the impossible. And, you know, we we saw it in his first full season in 2021 where he just took us all the way to the Super Bowl. You can't ask for a better quarterback and a better leader like him. I wouldn't trade him for anything. Hey, I got my Joe Burrow jersey on right now. I know you can see the only just half of the nine, but you guys get it. And, you know, Brandon and I, we're going to be here with you guys. We're going to talk about the good. We're going to talk about the bad. There's going to be some fun little debates back and forth. And we're just bringing our passion. We want to share that with the energy with you guys because we love this team just as much as you do. And we're going to be another one of those faces that just going to keep grinding with it. You know, we're not giving up on this team. We won't never give up on this team. You know, even if they even with those those little rebuild years. So, you know, we're going to have some fun talking points, man. I'm, I'm just happy that we're just finally getting started with this. Justin Justin Lacey's a truth slayer right there. That's all it is. I, I've been rolling with this team. Ooh, I don't want to give up exactly how old I am, but for a long time. It's been uh, not quite 40 years. It's been not quite 40 years. Uh, so it's been a long time. You know, I was uh, I was a vulture vulture. That's all. I'm, I'll leave it at that. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, thank you for jumping on, Justin. This is going to be a great adventure. Uh, looking forward to to uh, many, many more of these to come. Uh, check us out on the unofficial Bengals channel on the Fans First Sports Network. Uh, if you have anything else that you would uh, like to see, like to hear, the Fans First Sports Network covering it all. we got baseball, basketball, football. Any of your teams out there, we got college teams. 
go check us out. If you can't tell, uh, over my shoulder, there's a little bit of uh, Chris Webber Duncan over there, a little autograph picture, no big deal. So you might want to check out the boys in blue over there uh, for the Michigan podcast. But anything you want, we got, uh, again, the godfather of the unofficial Bengals channel is the unofficial Bengal podcast, Frank LaPlaca. Check him yes, out, sir. coming live, represent all the way over in New Jersey, taking it to the shore. So uh, we also have uh, Chase Younts is out there uh, doing uh, Cut to the Chase. Saw uh, he dropped his first episode here a couple weeks ago, probably right mm-hmm. when we should have dropped ours, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, but, yeah, check him out, man. And uh, I want a, a, a special thank you to uh, Mr. Steve Bartell. Been rocking with me for years. He's the one that did that sick logo. Uh, so any of you guys – uh, I, I appreciate, I want everybody out there to know, I appreciate his work. Uh, mod and the know-it-alls helping, uh, getting our intro together and all those things together. So I appreciate that. Uh, so without further ado, who they check us next yes, week, sir. check us out next week when we're running through the jungle. Peace.